Y'all doing okay? Happy to be in church? Happy to be in God's house? Yes? Yeah? Hey, um, there are people watching on the other side of those cameras this morning, and if you're, if you're joining us online or if it's your first time here in person, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're just thrilled that you're spending the morning with us. Would you all make as much noise as you possibly can? Help me welcome first-time guests, everybody watching online. We're glad you're here. And um, let's just get after it this morning. I know um, if you've been coming to church here for a while, you're hoping for an update from me. I've been sharing some kind of health struggles that, that I've been walking through. I want to ask you to keep praying for my wife too. She kind of has her, we've got some stuff going on with her too as well, but um, I'm gonna, I am going to give you an update on that in just a second. First, I just want to get to the kind of the theme scripture for our, our series that we're in here. We're talking about faith. What is faith and how does faith grow and operate in our lives, and so probably the most well-known scripture on faith in your Bible is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is, everybody say it. <laughs> okay, you can't say that word like that, all right? You can't be like, confidence. No, come on. Now, faith is what? Yeah, okay, you got flex. You got to give a little flex when you say it, all right? Faith is confidence in what we hope for. So we're hoping that God's going to do some things but it's not just hope. Like, we're confident that he's going to respond to those things that we're hoping for. Amen? It's confidence in what we hope for and what? Assurance about the things that we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Another translation says, this is how they earned a good reputation. Hebrews chapter 11, I gave it to you as homework last week. I hope you read it. If you haven't, go do it. It's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. It talks about all these wonderful people in the scriptures and how their faith in God was the thing that they were commended for and known for. In fact, some of them are commended for their faith even though they did not see the fulfillment of that promise in this lifetime. They didn't see it on planet earth, but they kept trusting God. They kept believing God. We talked about the four levels of faith last week that I believe God is, that he exists. I believe that God can, that he can, he can intervene in this life if he wants to. I also believe he will. Come on, somebody. He will. He will show up. And then the highest level of faith, the greatest level of maturity we can have in our faith is when we get to the place where we say, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't answer my prayer the way I was hoping he would, even if I don't get the miracle, even if it doesn't happen the way I wanted to, I will still trust him. I will still put my faith in him. It's the, it's the pinnacle of maturity in, in our faith. And I'd love to tell you that I'm always there, <laughs> but I'm not, you know? So I think sometimes all of us, we kind of fluctuate between like, you're real, right? No, he's real, and I believe he can do some stuff, but I don't know if he will. No, he will. And then we, we have moments where God really moves in our lives and we get to a place where we go, you know what? Even if you don't, I'm not moving. I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm believing in you. So uh, if you haven't been around, let me give you a quick update. For a little over a year, I've been dealing with some pain in my right hip, um, and it, the severity level kept increasing. And so um, for, for about a year, I've been working with doctors and x-rays and tests and physical therapy and to the point where they said, hey, we think you have a torn labrum in your hip. Um, <clears throat> and so we want you to go get an MRI to confirm the torn labrum in your hip. And so I did. I went and got the MRI. And when I went to the appointment to go over those MRI results, here's what was in my heart. I thought, either I have a torn labrum or I have some of the issues that run in my family. My, there's, a, there's a history on my mom's side of my family 
of pretty aggressive and degenerative arthritis. My mom had her first full hip replacement at 43 years old. I'll be 43 in February. I know y'all are thinking, no. 23, right? No, 43. Why aren't you laughing? And so I went into that appointment and I thought, so either they're gonna say your labrum is torn and we need to do a labral repair or they're gonna say, hey, you're on the road to a hip replacement, your, your hip joint is not doing well. They did see arthritis there. They did see a torn labrum. And I'm just gonna share a little snapshot of the MRI. I, I just took one side of it because I didn't want you to feel like you had to see anything inappropriate in church this morning. So I just took, just took, because they did the whole pelvis. And so I'm just, I just, so just, just one side of it is so safe. I just want you to know that. And so I, I go to the doctor's appointment. My doctor is not there. The physician assistant is there, who's, who's a younger guy. And let's just say, I'm hoping there will be some lessons learned. Um, Ironically, my doctor's out recovering from his own hip replacement, <laughs> so he's not there. So the physician's assistant goes over the results with me, and so he pulls the MRI up on the computer screen, and he says, all right, so here's your hip, here's the joint, uh, here's, we see arthritis, we see inflammation, here's the labrum, it is torn, here's your muscle, you got muscle here, over here you got some, probably some McDonald's and some Krispy Kreme. You know what I'm saying? So he's going through all of that, and then in a way that I hope no doctor ever talks to any of you, he says, but what is that? That's my MRI right there, and he points to this spot in my femur, just under the hip. So you can see it, right? Can y'all see it? He says, what is that? And that's how he said it. He's like, what is that? And I just went, I don't work here. I don't know what that is. And, and I'm, I'm gonna try to replicate the tone of his voice as much as I can. He goes, yeah, we don't either. And so we're not gonna touch anything up here until we know what that is, until we find out what that is. And so we want you to go get a bone scan and let's, let's see if we can get a better idea of, of what's going on there. As soon as he said, what is that? My heart went. Y'all ever been in a moment where your anxiety just instantly goes? Like you're just feeling jittery all over. And even the, like they, t they were like, hey, let's go get an x-ray. Maybe that'll tell us a little more. We've never x-rayed your whole femur. Let's do that real quick. We do that. We come back in. He's like, I'm sorry. That's not helpful. And I'm like, bro, you're giving me some anxiety here. And he goes, I think that's appropriate. And, I, and then, I don't know if they really were, but it felt like everybody in the doctor's office started talking to me like I was dying. They probably weren't, but that's how it felt. And I, I walked out of the doctor's office, I got in my truck, I called my wife. She was in the middle of grocery shopping, and I lost it. Like, I just lost it. And um, she's so great. <laughs> She's so great. She goes, hey, hey, God, whatever this is, God has it. And we're gonna be all right. You're gonna be fine. And even if it's something scary, we're gonna figure it out together. I mean, God gave me the best wife. 
like the best wife. Y'all, I just, she's not in here, but if you wanna help me give her a little love, a little honor, I mean, the best wife. That was August 18th. I couldn't get in for the bone scan until September 8th. So I had to wait. September 8th, I went to the bone scan. This past week, we went in for the results of that bone scan. My doctor explained it to me this way. And he, I, got the, I got the actual doctor this time. And I walk in and he goes, hey, just, I, just, I was really not that concerned for you. We just have to do this out of precaution. And I thought, that would have been good to hear on August 18th. But he explained to me, he says, here's how bone scan works. This is cool, the way God made our bodies. He said, your skeleton regenerates itself about once every two years. Your bones are in a constant state of change and flux. There's little cells that are traveling up and down the length of your bone, and they're creating micro cracks, not fractures, cracks. They're breaking it down, and then there's another set of cells coming right behind them that are regenerating and rebuilding. And so your bones are constantly changing, and about every two years, you get a, basically a new skeleton. I was like, that's pretty cool. He said, so what we do with a bone scan is we inject you with a radioactive tracer. And when I was there for the test, they told me it's gamma radiation. And so I was like, am I going to hulk out? And the guy was like, ha ha, never heard that one. <laughs> so they, in they inject you with this tracer. It uses gamma radiation. And what it does is it, you have to wait a few hours and you come back and take pictures. And this tracer will bond to any part of your bones that's going through regenerative changes. So if you have a tumor that's growing, changing, causing inflammation, doing damage to the bone, when you get the bone scan, it'll, it'll light up. They'll see it there. So I go back in for the follow-up this past Monday, 4.30 in the afternoon, had to wait all day. And we sit down and we pull up the pictures I don't know how to say this to you guys other than he put the mouse cursor where the tumor should be. And there ain't nothing there. Like, it's not there. So I just want to thank you. I know so many of you have been praying for me. Come on, that's Jesus, y'all. That is Jesus. So I don't want to over-sensationalize this. I want to be honest with you. There's two possible scenarios. One is... It's just benign and it's not doing anything, so it would not show up on a bone scan, okay? The other option is God was like, boop, and he just took it out of there, and it's gone, right? I don't really care which one. Either way, I wanna give God the glory. I wanna give God the honor. I wanna give God the credit. Because he answered our prayers. He answered our prayers. My wife, she's so full of faith. The doctor, his literal words to me were, this is exactly what he said. He said, this is a nothing burger. And he said that, and my wife turned to me, and she said, told you. <laughs> so I just want to talk to you this morning about what, for me, the miracle actually was. So for me, I'm really thankful for this. I'm thankful that I think God did something in my leg. I'm actually way, way, way more thankful for the thing he did here. Like, like God might have healed me physically, but the, the thing he actually delivered me from, from August 18th to September 8th, is probably the most intense spiritual battle I've ever gone through that I can think of in my life. I was in pure torment from fear. And I know I stood right here 
and I shouted words of faith because honestly, that was the only way I was gonna survive. Like I had to. I had to declare it and say it out loud. And my wife did such a great job of just like, hey, pray the scriptures. Confess God's word over it, confess his healing. Believe God. She, she just, her spiritual gift is faith. My spiritual gift is leadership. But the enemy of our souls is real, everybody. And he saw a little crack, just a tiny little crack, when that guy said, what is that? And he jumped all over me. From August 18th to September the 8th, he jumped all over me. I had good moments. I have great friends. In fact, that's, I don't have time to go into all the layers of what God did in my life over that span of time, but let me just say it to you this way. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I hope I never have to go through it again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because God did some stuff in me that I, like, I just don't know any other way that I, that I get there unless I walk through that. You know, in the church world, especially in our kind of like, I come from like a charismatic Pentecostal kind of world, we, we say really silly things about faith and healing. In fact, if somebody doesn't get healed, we'll even imply that they just didn't have enough faith, and that's just so ridiculous. I wanna be very clear with you this morning. God gets glory through miracles, but he also gets glory through suffering. That's why your Bible has books like Lamentations and Job. Times where we, we go through torment and suffering and God can get honor. And in fact, I think the deepest formation of our soul takes place in times where we're hurting. In times where we're suffering. And we don't talk enough about it. That's why the Bible says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. We're supposed to be in a posture of gratitude, thankfulness for what God is taking us through. But I'm just telling you, August 18th to September 8th, I was in a fight. I was in a fight. I was suffering. And, and so many of you were so great to be around. When you're in a spiritual battle, don't hang out by yourself. It's really dangerous. And so, some of you, all, so many of you, I, I, one, one guy, I'll just share this real quick. I wasn't going to say this, but I think I need to share it for somebody here. I grew up without consistent father figures in my life. And so I've always struggled to believe that men, even my friends, like really love me. Like really love me. I've always, like I'm their pastor, they want something from me, but if I were to ever mess up or fall on my face, they'd be gone, they don't really love me. And um, I started a small group last year with a group of men. I thought I was doing something for them God was doing something for me. These guys just had my back. Text me. I was standing up here for in, in, the, in the early service a few weeks ago for people who wanted to come for prayer and one of the guys came forward and I said, man, how can I pray for you? And he says, you're not praying for me, I'm praying for you. And he just cried and said, God, I need my pastor. I love him so much. Please heal him. And what he didn't know is that was doing a deep healing, a deep work in my heart. One of them came to me the Sunday I announced this and said, I have a connection in the medical community. Can I leverage it for you? 
And I sat with him the next day and just cried like a baby. I said, thank you, man. I've never felt like somebody had my back like that. Like God just did so much stuff. And I wanna invite you today to just be open to whatever's going on in your world, whatever's going on in your life. What if you would just be open to how God wants to do some, some deep work in you in the midst of that? Would you receive that today? So for me, that was out of character. I'm like, I'm not afraid. COVID-19, I was not afraid. I was annoyed. In fact, uh, two months into it, I drove down to Texas to pick up a camper that we had bought. And down there, everybody was acting normal. I ate in a Chili's and I didn't wear a mask. And then I came back to Delaware and everybody was psycho. And I was so mad, I was just mad. It ruined me, going to Texas ruined me. Like I just was not scared. I've had other stuff come up medically. I was never, it was really out of character for me and that's how I know this was a spiritual attack on me. And the enemy was just tormenting me and then he was adding things to it. Like he started going, hey, none of the men live long in your family. You've never met a grandfather and you won't be there to hold your grandbabies either. I had a dream several days into this. I don't remember dreams, ever. I had a dream that I was standing right here in front of all of you saying, hey, I'm so sorry, it doesn't look like I'll get to be your pastor as long as I had hoped. Just, tor like just pure torment. I've, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And I know the enemy saw a little crack where I was afraid and he just jumped all over it. Jumped all over it. And I felt a lot like this guy who we finished last week talking about. He's got a son who's under a spiritual attack, a demonic attack. And he says, Jesus, deliver him, heal him if, if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Of course I can. I'm Jesus. Anything is possible if a person believes. And he says, he cries out, I do believe, but I'm not sure if I do. Help me, help me overcome my unbelief. Have you ever lived in that tension of like, I know what God can do, but what if he doesn't? What if he, is he going to? I don't know, I just, and that's where I was. I wasn't afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. Like, I'll go be with Jesus, but I couldn't stop thinking about all the people I love. My wife and my kids and all of you, and it just, it just ate me up. So I wanna ask you a question this, this morning. Well, this is fresh for me. I'd love to just, I, I'm a classic oversharer. I don't know how to do this without sharing with you what's going on in me. So I hope that you're okay with that. If you're not, Google churches near me. There's some great ones. <laughs> There's some great options out there. This is just the only way I know how to do it. So I just wanna, um, I wanna try to answer this question today because this is where I've been at. What do you do when faith becomes a fight? When you're fighting, when you're fighting. And as I was trying to answer that question this week, I came to the realization like, oh my gosh, I've never taught our church Ephesians chapter six. We're almost 11 years old as a church. I've never, like I've referenced pieces of that scripture in messages. I've never just taught it to you. 
So we're going to do something we rarely do on a Sunday morning. We're going to go expository line by line through a portion of Ephesians chapter 6. If you like what I do this morning, you should come back to first Wednesday in October because this is what we do on Wednesday nights a lot. The first Wednesday of every month, we kind of go more Bible study. And I have a lot more that I want to share with you out of this journey um, some stuff God did with me that I just can't get to all of it on a Sunday morning and I'm gonna share some pieces of it in that, in that first Wednesday. So let me just say something to you this morning. It's not if faith becomes a fight, it's coming to the realization that it always has been and it always will be. You are in a fight. Whether you realize it or not, whether you accept it or not, you are in a spiritual fight. Jesus has won the war, everybody. He, he defeated the enemy, he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We are victorious, amen? But we're still gonna have to go through some battles. We're still gonna have to get through some battles. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, a, fi a final word he says, now this is not him wrapping up his letter to Ephesians, to the, the church at Ephesus. That's not, what, that's not why he says a final word. What, he's, what it actually means is like, hey, I've given you a lot, I've talked a lot about a lot. Hey, here's this one thing, like at the end of all of it, you better remember this. You better be thinking about this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, everybody say the next word. All. all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. From August 18th to the September 8th, this, he brought some strategies against me. I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not saying I didn't go through some pain and some suffering. I am standing firm. Like, hey, devil, you can go... I can't say that. I can't say what, you can, you can go find something else to do. You can mess with somebody else because I'm still standing. Can I get an amen this morning? It's kind of tough. When you're a Christian, you're not supposed to curse, but sometimes I want to curse out the devil. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be like, hey, hey, bleep, 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 bleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you do that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the doctrine is on that. So. <laughs> because he sucks. I'm just saying, he just, <laughs> Pastor Perry's been using that word on stage, so I figure I can too, right? So, <laughs> for we are not, look at this, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. That's not the kind of enemies we're fighting against, but that would help your marriage. You're not actually fighting your spouse, you know that? I love what brother Larry Stockstill always used to say. He said, people aren't the enemy, the enemy's the enemy. We just get all, some of you are convinced that Republicans are the enemy. No, no amens? Okay. Some of you convinced Democrats are the enemy. There you go, I got all your toes. But they're not. The enemy's the enemy. And he's gonna wage some battles against us. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I just want to go on record as saying I believe Jesus is real. I believe he is the son of the father. I believe he died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sins and yours, three days later rose from the dead, and sent the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to walk alongside us, convince us of our need of a Savior, be our comforter, our guide, and a power, the source of power in our lives. He is a triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I believe he's real. I also believe, without giving him, I think we give him way too much credit, but I also believe the devil is real. He's got a bunch of little 
little demons, a bunch of little punks, a bunch of little twerps who run around trying to mess stuff up. Y'all with me? Well, I really believe it. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's word imagery. I don't, I don't think it's imaginary. I think it's real. It was very real for me. From August 18th to September 8th, it was real. So Paul says, you're in a fight, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to what? Resist the enemy in the time of evil. <laughs> Sometimes you're gonna have a few weeks of evil. You might have a year or two of evil. You might go through a, a prolonged, protracted battle with evil, but you can come out on the other side. Then after the battle, you will be standing what? Firm. Paul is speaking into this culture here where the, the Roman army, the Roman guards, the Roman soldiers, the style of battle in this day, literally you would have known who won the battle by who had the last man standing. So Paul's saying, Get ready, the enemy's gonna come at you, there's gonna be some battles, but you've got Jesus on your side, and if you'll just do a few things, when the battle's over, you and Jesus will be the last one standing. You'll be the ones on the winning side. And so then he goes through now, the Roman soldier's whole get up, item by item, I had this great plan, oh my gosh, I only have nine minutes left, I had this great plan, I ain't gonna hit that. I'm just telling you right now. You can leave if you need to. I know there's football. I had this great plan to have like a teenager on stage and I had ordered a Roman soldier costume. And so I was gonna go item by item through it. And then I got an email from Amazon saying it was supposed to, we we're gonna deliver this Wednesday, now it's gonna be delivered Thursday. Okay. Then I got another one. Now it's gonna be delivered Friday. Now it's going to be delivered Saturday. Then they're like, it's going to be delivered Monday. I was just like, cancel. Forget it. I will preach without it. So it's Amazon Subprime. That's my new name for them. So Paul takes us through, and I'll, I'll just try to explain this to you the best I can. He goes through every item that a Roman soldier would wear, and he draws a spiritual parallel for it. And I just want to give you some context, some commentary to go with this, just to give you a deeper understanding of how God wants us to be ready when faith becomes a fight. And he's the, the first item, he says, first, first thing you gotta do, soldier, get the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. Here it is in the scripture. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of, everybody say it, truth. This is interesting because the word truth here in the Greek literally refers back to the scriptures, the word of God, and knowing them, and being a person of truth. It literally means to have character formed by the truth of God's word. Like, it's just who you are, it's just in you. It's the quality of being in accord with what is true, upright, dependable. And so the Roman soldier, the first thing they would put on as they were getting ready is they would put on this belt of truth. And when you see pictures, it's, it's really not totally accurate because they just show the belt here and then a little sleeve for the sword, which is important, it matters. We'll come back to that in a minute. But it's, it's interesting because the, the truth, the word is the only piece of the armor that gets mentioned twice. It starts with truth and it ends with truth. 
So it, this, this belt would go around here, but they say it also is likely that it may have had some straps that would come up the back and over the shoulder and around the front, almost like a suspender type strap to help support the other pieces that you would be wearing. It was, it's like the foundational item for everything else to work. The truth. It's like, this is gonna gross some of you out. I'm like, I'm a bigger dude. I don't know if y'all know that. Sometimes in an effort to look less like a bigger dude, I've tried to wear Spanx. Can I just confess that this morning? So, so here, here's my definition of Spanx. It's the thing under all the other things trying to hold things where they should be. Yeah? Would you agree? Hey, Paul says, under everything else, holding everything in place, you better have truth. You better know what the word says. You better know right from, like, you be, like this, everything starts at truth, Jesus even prayed for us, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your what? Which is, like, like hey, there, there's no other version of truth, everybody. His word literally is truth. And what's really interesting about the, tr the, the belt for the Roman soldier is you could tell you could tell a lot about the soldier by their belt. In the Roman tradition, in the, ar the tradition army of the Roman army, when a, when a soldier was on duty and ready to fight, the belt would be tightened up and in place. And it would just pull everything. But if a soldier was off duty, they would loosen the belt and let it relax. So if you're walking around and you see a Roman soldier, you could literally tell by looking at their belt, are they on duty, are they ready to fight, or are they off duty and relaxed? Can I just, I don't wanna be judgmental or I'm not trying to shame anybody. I just wanna say, like I have great concern for believers today in our, our current kind of cultural moment, our, the world we live in right now. I think too many of us are walking around with relaxed truth belts. and you're off duty. So you've bent it, you've loosened it up a little bit. You've, you've stretched the definition of some things a little bit in an effort to be more comfortable with yourself and those around you. And the problem is when the enemy comes and brings a battle, you're not ready. The belt signifies, it literally signifies the readiness of the soldier. Hey, what if we all, come on, come on, let's, let's just agree this morning. Let's be people who are gonna keep the belt tight. We're gonna be ready. When the battle comes, we're gonna be ready, amen? So here, I just wanna say, just like, be ready. Be ready for the battle. Okay, I gotta speed up. Okay, here we go. The next piece is what is, what is called the breastplate of righteousness. I use breastplate because for like 100 years, this is what people have been saying is breastplate, and it just preaches better. The breastplate of righteousness. If I, was an, if I was like an old mountain preacher, I'd be like, you need the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah? But the New Living Translation actually is probably a, a, a better description. It's the body armor of God's righteousness. 
Because it's in the, what the Roman soldier would wear probably wouldn't just be the front. It wouldn't just be a best breastplate. It would actually be two pieces that cover the front and the back from the neck to the torso. It would protect all of the vital organs, not the least of which, your heart. Boy, the enemy's after your heart. He, he, he would love to mess with your heart. So Paul says, hey, you've got like, you, you to know his strategies. You've got to know his schemes. You've got to know he, he's going to come at you and he's going to come for this. He's going to try to strike some blows that hurt. He might, even, he's, he might even take a cheap shot from the back. He might even come from a place that you can't see him and you weren't ready for him. You, you might walk into a doctor's appointment expecting one of two options and you didn't know that the third one was going to be there. So, so, you, so you better... You better have some stuff. Anybody ever have anything happen and you think that felt like a gut punch? No, that's what I told one of my, my pastors that I talk with on a regular basis. I, I said, I feel like I got punched in the stomach when I heard that. So, so guess what? The, the breastplate, the body armor of righteousness protects us when the enemy comes at us with things like, hey, God doesn't really love you. He's not going to help you. He came at me and said, hey, Michael, you, you haven't taken good care of yourself. You deserve this. You, you're, you're getting what you deserve. God's not on your side. God's not going to help you. Well, what is righteousness? Righteousness is just being right with God. So what does it mean for me to put on righteousness? It means for me to recognize and believe and remind myself and the enemy that even though I may falter, even though I may fail, even though I may stumble, even though I may sin every once in a while, when God looks at me, all he sees is a person who has been washed and cleansed by the blood of his son Jesus. When God looks at me, he only sees righteousness. He sees a righteous son, a righteous daughter. And so when the enemy comes, I need to be able to say, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. I'm righteous. I don't always do righteous things. <laughs> Tailgate me on the highway. You'll see. <laughs> but according to his word, I am made right before God. Revelation chapter 12. I know I'm running late. Are y'all okay? If you need to leave, you just leave. I won't be mad. But I'm going to preach the rest of this message because I got nothing else to do. All right. Team played Thursday. So I'm, I'm, all right. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power, the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. This is John's revelation, his vision of Man, a whole bunch of stuff. The, the future, heaven. It says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Who is that? Anybody know? The devil. The accuser of our brothers and sisters. The one who's accusing you and saying, you're not righteous. You're not right with God. He's not for you. He doesn't love you. God's not going to protect you. God's not looking out for you. In fact, every bad thing that happens to you, you deserve it. You had it coming. The, the, him, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, has been thrown down to earth 
The one who accuses them before our God day and night. That's what he's doing, by the way, all the time. He's trying to accuse you. He's trying to get you to believe a guilty verdict when the judge has already said you're innocent. He's trying to get you to believe that you should carry a punishment that you've already been set free from. I hope y'all are getting this this morning. And they have what? Oh, come on, y'all. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. I'm righteous. And by their what? I'm righteous and I know it. We should rewrite that song because some of y'all's head, your minds went there just now. Sinners. I'm righteous and I know it. All right, so. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to lose it. So, so what do I got to do? I just need to carry myself as if I know the truth, which is, I'm right with God. I'm right with God. And when I blow it, when I mess up, guess what? I can go to him with that, I can confess it, I can repent, and I stay right with God. I'm right with God. And I don't have to worry about it, I don't have to question, I don't have to doubt it. All right, the next piece is what he calls the shoes of peace. Paul says, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. Some translations say the gospel so that you will be fully prepared. Uh, the Roman army was cutting edge for its time. They, they made technological advancements that gave them uh, just such an advantage over other armies in battle. And their shoes specifically were actually extremely cutting edge for that. They were the first ones to put uh, like a stud on the bottom, like a cleat almost. They would stud the bottom of the Roman soldier's shoe so that when they would get into up-close battle, when they get into a confrontation, they could dig their feet into the ground and you could not push them back. They had traction that nobody else had. So they could go further, they could go faster, and it was harder to move them off their spot in a battle. They dig in, and stand their ground. I picture like, anybody ever watched Jim Cantore on the Weather Channel during a hurricane? I used to laugh, at, we used to live in Jacksonville, Florida and I would get such a kick out of weather people. Because a hurricane would be coming by, get close, you know, and you get on TV and they found some spot between two buildings where there's a wind tunnel going on and they're like, and they're dug in, right? They're like, it's getting, it's terrible out here. Well, stay inside. And then like, I'm like a weather junkie. So we'd come outside and it's like sprinkling and there's a light breeze, you know? And you're like going, oh, world. But I, but I do picture that where you've you got to kind of like dig in and the wind is coming and the storm is coming and you just, if you can get your footing just right, you'll be able to stay there, hold your ground, come on y'all, and the battle will, will move past you and you'll be standing there with peace, knowing that God's got it and it's all gonna be okay. Not only that, but it's the shoes of peace, so not only do they help you stand firm in the battle and have some peace and know that it's gonna be okay, you actually get to take it with you everywhere that you go. You get to bring it to the world around you. And boy, does the world need peace. 
Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'm leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that you will not find on TikTok. You won't, you won't be able to get enough likes on Insta. You won't be able to binge enough, enough Netflix. You won't be able to play enough video games to numb out and have this kind of peace. You won't be able to take enough pills. You, you, you won't, like the only way you're gonna get this peace is to receive the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he loves you, that he's for you, that he gave his life for you. So don't be troubled or afraid. So here's what I want you to do, everybody. I want you to believe it and bring it. I'm talking about the good news of the gospel. Believe it for yourself. I am saved. If you've received Jesus into your heart this morning, just say that out loud right now, just so you can hear yourself say it. Say, I am saved. Come on, one more time. Say it. I am saved. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. It's going to be good. This is just a tune-up. This is just a warm-up. All right, next, he says, you need the shield of faith. You need the shield of faith. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. Everybody say faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Interesting that everything else gets worn, faith gets picked up. The, the Roman shield would have been about a two foot by four foot piece. And notice he doesn't say hold out the shield of faith. He says hold up the shield of faith. You guys have seen it. Movies where they show these old, old school battles and somebody's lighting an arrow on fire and they shoot it. Do they shoot it straight? I'm, I'm giving you a hint. They don't. What do they do? They go, right? They're a long distance attack to try to rain down flaming arrows on the enemy. That really happened in this time period. So the Roman soldier would have to pick up the shield. The shield was about two foot by four foot, usually wrapped in leather with an iron frame, and often they would soak the leather in water so that when the fiery arrow would hit it, it would not burn. But you didn't really hold it this way. In fact, you would get together, oh, this'll preach. The shield really didn't do its best work by yourself. The shield did its best work in a group. And the, the army would huddle together, they would get low, and they would bring their shields up to create a canopy over the whole battalion so that as the arrows rained down, they would protect one another from the flaming arrow. Come on, somebody. That's why you're in church today. That's why you're hearing words of faith. It's still torn. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hadn't healed that yet. So Paul says, hey, get, get, your, get, your, get it up there. Get it. Don't, don't recede from community when you're going through a battle. Get with the rest of the army and get your shield up over your head. Because the enemy's going to rain down temptation. 
The enemy's going to fire off some doubt. The enemy's going to fire off some anger and some lust and some despair and some vengeance and, and problems. He's going to try to get your eyes on, on the, all the problems in the world and, and all the, the suffering that's going on and, and mess with you a little bit. But if you'll, just get with, if you'll just get with the other people in the army and get your, get your faith up over your head, you're going to be all right. And that's why First Peter says, these trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Shield of faith. It's not worn, it's picked up. So every day I need to pick up the shield. I need to get with some other people who got their shield and just declare my trust and dependence on God that no matter what the enemy fires off at me, it's no match for my faith. It's no match for my faith, amen? All right, let's wrap it up. He, he says, so when your faith remains strong though through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Here's the next one. Or I'm sorry, here's your, here's your action step. Pick up your faith and use it. Pick it up and use it. All right. Next one is called the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Paul says, put on salvation as your helmet. This one's easy, right? What's in here? Your mind, your thinking. No sword could penetrate a well-made Roman helmet. And listen to me, just, just get this this morning. Everything flows, all of your spiritual development flows from accepting and believing that I have been saved by Christ Jesus. It's my helmet. I may mess up everything else, but I know who I belong to, amen? You wanna know something fascinating about this? Guess who else is wearing a helmet of salvation? Like I get tingles thinking about this. Isaiah chapter 59, I, the prophet Isaiah says that when God goes out to fight for his people, when God goes out to fight for those who have been hurt or who've suffered injustice, it says God himself put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. When you wear your helmet, you become like God. You don't become a God. Come on, y'all. But we're... You remember when you're a little kid and you want to try to dress up like daddy? When we put on the helmet of salvation, we dress up like our heavenly father. We look like our heavenly father. And then and he makes this, what's interesting is out of all the other pieces of the armor that the soldier would put on, his armor bearer would be standing there the whole time holding the helmet. Until it was time to put the helmet on and then the Roman soldier would take the helmet and put it on. Isn't it interesting that Jesus did all the work? He went to the cross. He paid the price. He's given us all the power and the freedom that we need. All we have to do is pick it up and put it on. Just pick it up and put it on. So here's your action step. 
don't leave home without your helmet. Take it with you, amen? Take it with you. And then here's the last one. The sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. I told you, it starts with truth, and it ends with truth. It's truth holding it all together through God's Word, and it's God's Word that is actually the only offensive weapon in the whole list. Everything else is defensive. Come on, y'all. But God hasn't called us just to, to, to withstand the attacks of the enemies. I, I sometimes like to just, I know this is a little grotesque. It's not, not good to say things like this nowadays, but I just kind of, mentally, I just kind of like to picture chopping off some demon's head. You know what I'm saying? Like just, oh, you came at me? Like, like a Jesus Zorro. You know what I'm saying? Like a, I do a J. <laughs> do y'all know we, we get to, we literally get to do damage. We get to maim and dismember the demons. Paul said, I'm sorry, Jesus said in Matthew chapter four, verse four, let me just give you context for this. Jesus fasts for 40 days. And while he's in this season of fasting, the devil shows up and tries to tempt him. He does a bunch of like, hey, if you're really the son of God, do this, do this, do this. He's, take these, you're hungry, I know you're hungry, you've been fasting, take these stones and turn them into bread. And every time Jesus responds with this, no. Why not? Because the scriptures say. And the enemy has no defense for the word. None. Man, some of you just, I, I, my heart goes out to you. I, I was in torment for a few weeks. You, you feel like you've been in torment for your whole life. I hate that for you. But I want you to know, you have a weapon. When the enemy comes and says, hey, you know, your, your life's not worth a whole lot. You should, you know, maybe the world would just even be better without you. I, I, I would love it if you'd fall in love with the scriptures. Because there's, there's a response for every lie that the enemy could throw your way. You, you could say, no, no. The scriptures say that God so loved the world. And I'm in the world. It includes me, that he sent his one and only son. If I, the scriptures say that if I'd been the only one, he'd still do it for me. So, so yeah, I might be struggling with some depression. I might be struggling with some self-worth. But no. No, devil, you don't get to tell me that. Because the scriptures say something else. In, in fact, Hebrews says it this way. The, the word of God is alive and what? 
powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. That's a reference again to the Roman soldier. They carry, the sword they would have been carrying right here on that belt of truth was actually what they called the Roman short sword. It wasn't that long. And it was revolutionary at the time because it would give them a huge advantage in up-close battles. They could, and they get close to you. It's a two-edged, it cuts between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So I want you to wrestle with this this morning. Where have I taken on? Where have I, where have I, what lies of the enemy have I allowed to come into me? They've come into my thinking. For some, you've even let it into your body. There's decisions you're making about your body that are based on lies. And I, I just need you to know, the word of God is truth. It's not old and outdated. I mean, it is old, but it's not outdated. It's just, it's just right. It's right. It's never wrong. And you can fight with it. So here's what I'd love for you to do. Fight back. Fight back. Stand in the battle. And just when the enemy thinks he's got you, get the word. And just stick him right in the neck with it. I'm just, 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 God wins. Jesus wins. I'm sorry, I know some of you are like, ew. But come on, Jesus wins, everybody. Jesus wins. He wins. He wins. Stand up if you would. After all of that, Paul says, get your armor on, get ready for the fight, and then do what? Pray. So that's what we're going to do. Pray in the Spirit. And in the Greek, this pray in the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean pray in tongues. That's how a lot of people would interpret it. And um, that's a spiritual gift that I, I believe is alive and active. You should just know that. Your pastor prays in tongues. So if you think that's weird, that's fine. But I prayed for you and it's probably working. So pray in the Spirit at what? Okay, here's what it literally means in the Greek. It means, hey, try to get yourself to a place where your soul and the spirit are connected, where you're plugged into the power source at all times. Like, stay plugged in. Stay plugged in, stay plugged in, stay plugged in. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Get your, get your armor on and then go to God. So let's do that this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to ask if there's anybody in the room today who has not received salvation. Or maybe you're watching online. You say, hey, Michael, I, Jesus is not my Lord and Savior. I've not confessed him as Lord and Savior. I've not surrendered my life to him, but I know today I need to. Today's the day. This is the moment. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. But I would like to know you're here. If you say, hey, that's me, would you just wave a hand at me? Just say, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to surrender my life to him. Just wave a hand real quick. Anybody? 
saw that. Anybody else? Just real quick. Anybody? If you're watching online at home, I, I can't see you, but God can. You can just right there where you're at, just say, Jesus, I need you. And then if you lifted your hand, just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, today I confess that I need you as my Savior. I believe you went to the cross and you died and you're, you've washed me clean. From this day on, you're the Lord of my life. I believe three days after you died on that cross, you rose from the dead. You broke the curse of sin. And the same power that brought you out of that grave is now coming to life in me. And heaven is my home. I will spend eternity with you. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. In just a second, Pastor Perry's gonna come out. Dismiss everybody. You'll have an opportunity to stay for prayer after that if you want to. No pressure. But I just wanna ask real quick, would you just raise your hand if you'd say, hey, Michael, I'm in a fight right now. I'm in a, I'm, I'm, my faith is going through a battle right now. Just wave at me, just say, hey, that's me. Like, I'm in a fight right now. Yep, man, a whole bunch of us. So listen to me, keep your eyes closed. I want you to read Ephesians 6 over and over this week. I had a friend back in my college years, every morning he would, he would pray through Ephesians 6 and he would literally pretend to put on the armor, like physically. And I thought, dude, you are so weird. But he might've been on to something. So if you're in a battle this week, I want you to keep putting on the armor of God. But I'm gonna pray for you right now and then Pastor Perry's gonna dismiss us. Heavenly Father, you saw those hands. You know the battles that are being waged right now. Some are fighting uncertainty, some are fighting fear, some are fighting anxiety and depression. There's uncertainty about our futures. Some of us are just, we've just gone through so much, we're not even sure what we believe anymore. And our faith has become a fight. So Holy Spirit, would you come and do the stuff that only you can do? Minister to each and every situation in the way that only you know how. Have your way. In Jesus' name.